Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Elaine B., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Today is Friday, March 2nd, 2018. And today we're reading from the Big Book, and we are in More About Alcoholism, and we're on page 33, reading the first paragraph that starts, This Case Contains a Powerful Lesson. Today's readers are Jordan L. for the 12 Steps, Mary Jane Z for the 12 Traditions, Terry H., Polly Q., and Wendy M. The reference number for the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting for yesterday, March 1st, is 11113. That's 11,113. And the reference number for this morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting for Friday, March 2nd, 2018, is 11115. That's 11,115. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jordan L. to please read the 12 steps. My name is Jordan Mello. I'm a compulsive overeater uh, from Silverthorne, Colorado. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you. On this, the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, we believed that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all the persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, being only for his knowledge for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Number 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much, Jordan L. And I will now ask Mary Jane Z to please read the 12 Traditions. Press star one to unmute, please, Mary. Jane? Star one to unmute, please, Mary Jane. Well, I happen to have these right here. And oh, Mary Jane, did you make it through? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, now I can hear you. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Not sure what happened. Good morning. This is Mary Jane Z, recovered in Kentucky, and here are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, 
For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop overeating. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for your service. And thank you for yours, Mary Jane C. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass and press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in More About Alcoholism on page 33, and we're reading and commenting on the first paragraph. And I will ask Terry H. to please begin reading. Hi, thanks. My name is Terry H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, bulimic, anorexic, in very windy North Carolina today. Very grateful. Okay, so this case contains a powerful lesson. Most of us have believed that if we remained sober for a long stretch, we could thereafter drink normally. But here is a man who at 55 years found he was just where he had left off at 30. We have seen the truth demonstrated again and again. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Commencing to drink after a period of sobriety, we are in a short time as bad as ever. If we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind, nor any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcohol. Thanks. Um, Wow, so much in this paragraph. Um, I love this chapter because it definitely... I can identify in with the mental obsession of the disease. You know, um, I have an incurable disease. I'm a compulsive overeater, bulimic anorexic, and I will never, never be able to eat uh, my my binge foods ever again and engage in my eating disorder behaviors. Because once I do that, I'm just like this this man of um, 55 years old who had been abstinent for, you know, 25 years just like him, I'm right back in my disease, worse off than where, where I was from the very start. You know, I um, was able to get abstinent, just like Bill and just like these gentlemen that we're going to be looking at. And I was able to stay abstinent for about 15 months, you know, white knuckling it, going to meetings, following the food plan. But the mental obsession, I never worked the steps at that time, and the mental obsession worked on me. And worked on me over and over and over until it finally beat me down. Until I thought I could eat my binge foods and, and be in control of them. 
And, you know, once I started picking, once I picked it up again and picked up those behaviors, I was worse off in my disease than I was. I was heading for death, pretty much. Um, just, you know, that one, that one bite. But, you know, it never really started with the, the bite. It started with the mental obsession and the thinking that I could control it, the thinking that I could eat those binge foods again um, after being abstinent for about 15 months. And, you know, that was such a big lie that my disease uh, told me over and over and over again. You know, I'm definitely a compulsive overeater. Once a compulsive overeater, always a compulsive overeater. My disease is incurable. And, you know, every day I do the work. Every day I, I um, take the actions um, and do the work the tw and work the 12 steps and, and practice them in my, in my life each and every day is a day that I keep my disease at bay. And, and it's a day that I can enjoy life and, you know, and be of service and be of maximum service to others. And that, you know, has brought me so much freedom and peace in my life. You know, I don't spend my days worrying about where I'm going to purge. You know, um, I don't spend my days, you know, worrying about where I'm going to get my binge foods. Um, I spend my days, you know, dealing with life on life's terms and enjoying life. And I'm just, you know, so grateful that I've had uh, the opportunity to, to work these steps. My sponsor shared with me, you know, if, I, if there is any lurking notion that I have that I can control my disease or if I'm negotiating, you know, terms of my disease, then there's still, you know, some work that needs to be done. And, you know, when I came in um, and asked my sponsor to work these steps with me, I was done. I was spent. I, I, you know, I was powerless. I knew it. And, um, you know, I just turned it over and, and got busy doing the work. And I couldn't do the work without being absent. And so I'm, I'm, just really, I'm just really grateful for that and for that opportunity. And for the newcomer, Keep at it, put the foods down, and work those steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Terry H. Who would like to comment on this first paragraph on page 33? Kathleen O. Kathleen O. Wendy M. Oh, two names at once. I didn't get either one of them. I'm sorry. Wendy M., I think I heard. Wendy B. Um, Lisa B, was that? Yes. Heidi okay. L. Heidi L. Eileen M. Eileen M. Thank you. And, oh, I thought I heard Wendy M. Did I hear Wendy M as well? Or yeah. Was that just I, okay, great. No, again. Okay. Um, Jordan L. Kath, uh, and Jordan L. Okay. I have Kathleen O, Wendy M, Eileen M, Lisa B, Heidi L, and Jordan L. Let's start with that. And Kathleen O, please go ahead. Good morning. Thank you, Elaine. This is Kathleen O, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Northern California. Most of us have believed, and believed is feeling sure about the truth, that um, most of us have believed, I lost my spot here, um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, that once abstinent and in a normal body, I believed, because um, I, had, I had moments of that. I had seven years of abstinence and then started to believe that I could eat normally. And, you know, there's this desire to be cured. And cancer can go into remission, but it can also come back. And my obsession with food can go into remission as long as I'm working the steps and staying connected with a higher power. But unfortunately, when I don't do that, it can come back. So once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. You know, the, the allergy is the physical desire to consume food beyond my capacity to control it. And it really defies all of common sense. So, you know, I, I just had this abnormal craving for food when I was in the disease. And today, I know deep down inside me, and I'm sorry for the dog barking back there. I know deep down inside me that my decades of experiencing compulsive eating, that I'm always going to have this addiction to certain foods, and there's going to be no turning back to normal eating. 
Um, you know, once now college, always now college. It's a simple fact that I have to live with. So there must be no reservation, no doubt, nor any working notion, because this disease is waiting and hiding for the opportunity to ambush. And that someday I'm going to be immune, that I'm no longer going to be affected. You know, the disease is just waiting for me to get to that point. So the flame might be out, but the pilot light is always lit. And this is a patient disease. It's waiting and waiting and, and hoping and wishing that I'm going to be normal and going to work. So I do concede daily to my innermost self that I'll have this allergy until the day I die. And the only thing that gives me immunity a day at a time is and protects me. And again, I'm sorry for that noise in the background. Is staying connected with my higher power and working these steps. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Kathleen O. Wendy M., you're up next, followed by Eileen M. Uh, yes, good morning, Wendy M., recovered in Colorado. And um, thank you all for your service being on the line, and thank you, God, for the gift of abstinence this morning. And um, so it starts off with, yeah, I, uh, most of us have believed, and that's the root of the problem right there is that I believe stuff. And what I believe is um, that my disease is in my voice, so it sounds right. It sounds convincing. It sounds like, yeah, that's the way it goes. So the way it works for me is um, I was off of, I was on a liquid diet for three weeks, lost a ton of weight, and literally the night I finished the diet, I was eating dots candy in the darkened movie theater, thinking that that was a good idea, you know, because I was done. I was, you know, I looked good. And when I look good, that's a very dangerous place for me to be because, again, my disease is in my voice and my disease will tell me, you've got this lick, you can do it, you can drink or eat like a normal person, you know. But the truth of the matter is being in the food is so much harder the easier, softer way is entire abstinence, right? The easier, softer way is admitting I'm a compulsive overeater. And for 39 years, I never wanted to admit anything. I was struggling the entire time. I was at war with myself, with my body, with food, with this disease. And it's so much easier. And thank you, God, for the gift of desperation. Um, I came in, you know, and for 15 years, I was eating and saying I was abstinent. Um, and that's the best I could do. And then, you know, working with a, a vision sponsor two years ago, I had that gift of desperation. I finally said, I'm definitely, I can see to my innermost self that I am a compulsive overeater. And, um, and the powerful lesson that they talk about here is that it has depth and weight, right? My experience tells me over and over and over again that I am a compulsive overeater. And admitting it finally gave me the freedom to be entirely abstinent. And so if you are struggling on the line today, it is so much easier to be entirely abstinent. It is so much easier to concede that you are a compulsive overeater. It is way harder to struggle with it and pretend that I'm not and keep doing this research again and again. You know, but I had to eat until I was done. I had to, I had to do that. Um, but it is, it's, a, it's the powerful lesson. But once I admit it, my experience tells me that I am a compulsive overeater um, that I'm good to go. I have freedom every day. I don't have any lurking notions. I know I'm a compulsive overeater. There's, no, there's you know, nothing in, in my mind that tells me I'm not. And last night I had the opportunity of going to a middle school and speaking to um, students and their parents about this disease. And what I said to them was, I wish that in middle school somebody had come to me and told me how they eat and what they think and how they feel about themselves. And that I could shed some light so that they don't have to waste 39, 40 years, not waste, but, you know, be in this disease for 39 to 40 years. And somebody would have come to me in middle school to say, this is the disease. This is what I do with food. And there's a way out. And it was just so exhilarating to tell these folks there is a solution. So if you're on the line and you're suffering, there is a solution. And I'm just another bozo on the bus. And you can do this, too. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you very much, Wendy M. Eileen M., you're up next, followed by Lisa B. Good morning. This is Eileen M., gratefully recovered in New Hampshire. And, um, yeah, this this second line is just so true. Um, most of us have believed that if we remain sober, abstinent for a long stretch, we could therefore, you know, eat normally um, or drink normally. 
Um, this just reminds me of, you know, the whole diet mentality of whenever I would go on a diet and get to a normal weight, you know, when I did, it was very, you know, that it was harder and harder to do that as my disease progressed. But, you know, whenever I thought that, you know, I was going to get weight, I would just go back picking up those trigger foods again, thinking I can handle it this time because I'm thin. <laughs> that was my biggest um, obsession was that, you know, when I got thin, I would be able to handle this thing. And, you know, I had all this self-knowledge about myself, but that didn't help me. You know, self-knowledge didn't help. And the, the just, I had to, you know, when I went through the vision process and, and the steps, you know, I had to just make that decision that, or, or, or believe the fact that, you know, I was hearing what other people had shared, which was that I was not like other people. I am not like other people when it comes to these trigger foods. You know, I cannot handle them. Um, so I'm just really, I'm really, really grateful for this. Grateful that we're reading this. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Eileen. Um, Lisa B., you're up next, followed by Heidi L. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you, Elaine, for your service. I'm so grateful for um, all the voices on this line and hearing the solution and the truth. And when I came into this fellowship, OA, and a vision for you, this meeting, um, I I had a lurking notion, but I didn't know I had a lurking notion. And that's the thing with this program. I have to experience these steps. I have to experience for myself the words in this big book. It helps to have a recovered sponsor and to have a fellowship around me of recovered voices and newcomers. But until I really internalize and live and experience all these things and see for myself, you know. So I read this, these words, you know, with my recovered guide, and but I didn't know I had a lurking notion that, you know, maybe I'm not quite as bad as she is or as all of you. Maybe I'm not as sick as all of you, you know. And uh, one day I went to the movie theater with my husband, and I found my hand going into the popcorn container, and I put some popcorn in my mouth. Well, I have no business having popcorn. I never looked at it as a red light food. I never even thought of it. It was not an item that I listed as an alcoholic food. But I have no business eating popcorn for me. I have no business eating off of my food plan. And I called my sponsor, and I wasn't recovered yet. And uh, she shared with me that um, I needed to call three recovered fellows and share with them what I did. And one of the people I called shares on this line regularly. And he said, oh, it sounds like you had a lurking notion. And, you know, I had read those words with my sponsor a week or so before all this happened. But now I experience, oh, now I get what that means. And that's how it's been with me with this program. I have to experience everything for myself. You know, I hear you all, but I have to really internalize it. And that's how it is for me today as a recovered person. I have to experience it not just read the words. And I felt led to share that. And, um, you know, all of us sound like professional speakers and these great talented recovered people, but we've all just bumped around and learned. And that's how we've discovered and found these things for ourselves. And, and then we try and share it and help others. So we don't arrive here with this perfect package and like we're all perfect. <laughs> so with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Lisa B. Heidi L., followed by Jordan L. This is Heidi L., compulsive overeater, recovering in California. Um, I love this reading, and I've really had to learn it the hard way. I've struggled, you know, my whole life with this disease and um, did a million diets when I was young and all of that, but didn't really know about addiction. And certainly looking back, the most successful ones that I ever did were kind of like Atkins or things where I could eat a lot, but was off flour and sugar, which now for me is my drug. And, um, and then I had the grace of going into another 12 step program and getting sober from drugs and alcohol. And so by the time I found a program that was around food, I had the gift of sobriety and the belief in the big book. And I was so excited and like, Oh my God, somebody finally gets it. Like moderation doesn't work for us. You take these foods away and I'll be fine. And, and I, I had the, the excitement about that and was able to be three years abstinent right away. And um, I'm sharing this because those little thoughts 
snuck in of maybe I can have this food or that food, or maybe I can add a little of this or a little of that. And, and I know everything about addiction now. So with all this knowledge, if I gain five pounds, I can go right back. And um, I'm just here to share anyone who's toying with those thoughts. Maybe you can learn from me and not four years of, of experimenting, but I, you know, started eating I was down I'm 5'3 and I weighed 114 and I got back up to 170 thinking in five pounds I can go back and and this journey really taught me that I don't have that choice that I am powerless and took me four years to get back and get some abstinence and I'm just so thankful and so you know, cautious of any lurking notion because it's certainly a lie. Um, at least it was for me. So I have to remember that I have to lie to myself in order to pick up because I need the the structure of abstinence and and know what my sober foods are and and it feels amazing the difference in in being abstinent or in my disease is so different so I'm so grateful for this program and grateful for all the recovery I hear on these lines and that we study the big book where the answers are and with that I'll pass thank you very much Heidi L Jordan L you're up next Jordan L star one to unmute I thought I heard that Jordan um, had wanted to share, but maybe I was mistaken. So um, we're commenting on more about alcoholism, page 33, the first full paragraph that starts with, this case contains a powerful lesson. Who'd like to comment on that paragraph? Mo H. Mo H. C. Deborah P. Sherry K. B. Sherry KB. Suji. Suji. Karen from upstate New York. Karen, may I have the first solution of initial of your last name? Oh, please? I'm sorry. Karen K. Okay, thank you. Reggie. Reggie. Reggie, and um, who was the last with the G? Sylvia. VG. Okay. All right. So I have Mo H, Deborah T, Sherry K B, Suji, Karen K, Reggie O, and I think it's Susie V G. So um, Mo H, please go ahead. Yes, thank you, Elaine. Good morning. Oh, I dropped something. Oh, excuse me. Good morning. My name is Mo H. I'm a recovered compulsive uh, overeater in Northern California. Can you hear me, Elaine? Yes, I can. Thank you. Okay, good. Start my timer. All right. Most of us have been believed that we could remain sober for a long stretch. And I have written there in my book, I believed the lie. And the lie was that I could diet and get down to a goal weight. And then once I got down to that goal weight, I could eat like normal people. And I believed that my entire life, because that's what I saw other people doing. They would diet and they would gain back their weight, and then they would go on a diet again, and they would gain, and, and so I just believe that's the way it was. Excuse me just a second, Mo. Um, there's somebody unmuted. You're clearing your throat, maybe working in the kitchen. So if everybody could press star one, we'll have a quiet line. And please go ahead, Mo. Sorry to interrupt your share. No problem. Um, so it took me three years in therapy before I could even and say to my therapist that I thought I had a problem with food. And then it took me many years in the program to even believe that I was a compulsive overeater. And I had to experiment, like all these stories we're going to be reading, this case and Jim and all of them that, that are, and all the ones in the back, that I had to try it over and over and over again. Uh, once an alcoholic always an alcoholic. Once a pickle, always a pickle. I love that analogy. I cannot go back to being a normal eater. And also, this last piece, there may no reservation of any kind, nor lurking notion. And someone on the 
morning meeting yesterday said to lurk means to lie in wait and to hide. And I had that notion in the back of my head and I had five years of abstinence as I've said before and that notion I think was in the back of my head that I could just have a little bit extra. Mine started out with, you know, just a little bit extra, a little bit of this, a little bit of that and I was okay, I wasn't gaining weight. And then all of a sudden, the disease just zapped me. So I can have no lurking notion that someday I will be immune to alcohol. I wish this vision meeting was around when I first started program in 1989, but I am so grateful for it today. And welcome to the newcomers, and um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you very much, Mo H. And um, Deborah T., uh, you're up next. I'm just going to clear the line first, um, so you'll press star one to unmute first. Okay, thank you. Hi, this is Deborah P. As in Paul. Um, yeah, I just um, I'm kind of new. I mean, I'm back again. I've been here before, but I really appreciate all the wisdom and everybody sharing their their truth and what they've gone through. Um, I, when I first, just really probably about a week ago when I first came back, um, I there was a few people that called me, a handful of people that called me as a newcomer, which was which got me through my first 24 hours, really. And the first person that called me, um, I was just really honest with her. I was like, you know, I've, I've gone through some medical things, and, you know, I, I kind of believe that my higher power, whom I refer to as God, uh, that God heals. God heals physical, God heals mental, God heals emotional. And so that's kind of the space I was in. I was like, that was, you know, that's what I just began to believe. And sure enough, I'm back here, um, you know, and it didn't actually happen that way. But what was, what was interesting is she said, she said, you know, I agree with you. She said, I believe that God heals. But she said, it just doesn't always look exactly the way we think it's going to look, you know, um, and and that's true. I mean, I think that God is healing us, and, um, and what a great thing that, you know, we get to do it through camaraderie and, um, and fellowship, and that's the path that, that has been chosen for me, so I embrace it. And um, and I know that I'm different than other people, but there's still a lot of a lot of really kind of miraculous stuff happening in this program. So um, so yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I know I'm never I know I'm always going to be this way. I know, um, but I do know that there's a there's you know progressively that things will get better, and that you know it's not always going to be like. Uh, just stuck in the food. So thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you very much, Mo H. Uh, I mean, Deborah T. Sherry KB, you're up next. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California. Very grateful, recovered, compulsive, I reader. Uh, thank you so much for your service, Lane, and everybody on the line, and welcome newcomers. Uh, this is a very powerful um, paragraph, and it starts out with it contains a very powerful lesson. Um, what struck me is that how I have seen the truth demonstrated again and again in my own life, how many times I had put the food down, um, lost the weight, thought I had arrived, and thought now I can eat like everybody else. And I had this illusion, uh, the mental obsession that I could eat the way I wanted to and look like you, or that um, that it would never affect me once I lost the weight that I had arrived and I would never gain weight again. I mean, talk about the mental twist and the mental obsession thinking and you know i will never we talk on this line about being recovered and we are but we're never cured and that means for me that i can never pick up my alcoholic foods again um never it doesn't matter how many years i've had um abstinence and how many years i've been recovered that has nothing to do with um with my alcoholic foods and this disease because my disease never takes a vacation never takes a break uh, it actually gets worse over time. And um, and also here when it says um, we have no reservation of any kind. And so that means, you know, that's 
that's it, none, Sherry. You, you don't get to, you know, pick and choose this. It's like you've got to, to leave your alcoholic foods down so you can stay and block from your higher power. And also the word lurking, somebody else brought it up today, and what I want to say also about it that I noticed was that it said, um, it's, oh, hold on a second, it also said um, lying in wait as in ambush. And so that's what my disease wants. It's waiting to ambush me, and, I, and I'm getting that. And I can see from my own history that that's what has happened for me. And without the steps, without living in 10, 11, and 12, um, my disease will win out. And so I have to stay in this work, stay in the steps, stay unblocked and connected with my higher power. And also that, um, that you know, I, I think of, I, I was talking to a sponsor the other day, and we were talking about how every morning we have to get up and do this over and over again because at midnight I turn into a pumpkin and then I have to start all over again the next day. And that's what I do with, with, with my being recovered. And I can't do this without my higher power. And um, my higher power has removed the mental obsession I cannot. And what I love is that by working these steps, I don't want those alcoholic foods anymore. That's what I've noticed is that that want for those are not there. It's not that it doesn't come up, um, you know, once in a while that my disease will start gnawing at me, but I've noticed that I really don't want those alcoholic foods anymore. And that I pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sherry KB. Sue G, you're up next, followed by Karen K. Elaine, did you call Sue? I did. Please go ahead. Thank you, Elaine, and thank you, Team Friday, and welcome newcomers. Um, this is a, uh, a warning. It says, um, this case contains a powerful lesson. Um, I had a short relapse after three years in the, in the program uh, of being abstinent, and I guess I must have failed to enlarge my uh, spiritual life. I'm, I'm sure that was the case. Um, in a short time, um, uh, I had uh, the first compulsive bite. I had moved across the country, um, and I was really, really vulnerable. Um, and I had picked up the first bite, and but God returned me to grace and gave me back um, the gift of absence. And I have no uh, illusion that it's it was a tremendous gift. Uh, for the last three decades, I've been clear um, that that I'm definitely a food addict. Um, I have uh, alcoholic foods, and that I must refrain from. Um, from them like uh, any other po- any other poison um, let's see my husband paid me uh he said to me last night he said i really would like to tell you something and um about 2 months ago i fell and fractured my ankle and ended up having to have surgery and I've been in a cast for that long and on crutches and just yesterday I got taken out of the cast and put into a boot and I'm going to be able to start physical therapy on next week and um, as a result of that oh he's had to take over everything you know all the cooking cleaning shopping uh, and besides trying to work full-time and so it's been a huge load on him and um, he said to me and this is really a testament of the program and a testament of um, of my higher power he said I just want to tell you that um, you have been it's it's been well he didn't say delight but he said I just want to tell you that your positive attitude through this whole thing has been has made it so much easier for me to deal with this whole experience. And, you know, I said, it's because of my higher power, you know, and the program. I said, you know, thank, thank God for this. Um, and, and it's really true. I've been, I've woke up, woken up every morning really with a positive attitude and partly because, you know, I, I wake up at six o'clock every morning and cannot wait to get on this seven o'clock meeting because it's it, it it's what I, I look forward to this um, this um, vision for you. It, it just is a perfect way for me to start my day. 
and because of this, uh, the silver lining in in this whole thing is that I've been able to take on new sponsees because I've had a lot more time. You know, I'm not. Okay, thank you. And it's it's just been a real gift to be able to give back uh, in this way. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Suji. Karen Kay, you're up next, followed by Reggie O. Hi, I'm Karen Kay, and I'm from upstate New York in that snowstorm right now, so I'm home rather than working and get to be on this line. I'm so grateful. Um, I wanted to make a few points. Uh, in that sentence, it talks about um, after we've been sober for a long time. I find that uh, you know the way that I think matters a lot. And whether uh, when I'm starting to make time references, oh, I've been sober a long time, or you know, living in the time reference rather than in the moment, I I only have a daily reprieve. And if I'm uh, getting too far um, away from being right in the moment, knowing who I am, um, I get lost and I get closer to relapse. And um, the other thing that I wanted to say was, um, it's the first time I'm talking on these, I'm not as uh, experienced, um, that the cycle that before we pick up, and I say we, but I mean I, every time I picked up, there was a process that started way before, and it had to do with food thoughts and whether or not I was taking action on the fact that I was having a food thought. And so by so that by the time I picked up, I was way past the process that I could really still have any choice of doing anything about it. And um, so how important that is, it just speaks so much to me about really being in that moment, being in the moment of each day, of each hour, of each minute, and just knowing who I am. And um, not not uh, and living each day. Oh, the other, the last thing I'll say is this: how important it has been for me, and what a great help it's been after many years of relapsing to say uh, the biggest thing that I think I bring to each day is the willingness to be willing, and the willingness to say, okay, every day, all that I knew is gone. Today is a new day. Let me start anew. Let me not treat my conversations with yeah, but, or fill, th- fill my conversations with things that I already think I know. Let me put what I know aside and treat this day as a new day and see what I can learn. So thank you. Thank you very much, Karen Kay. Reggie O, you're up next, followed by Sylvie G. Hey, good morning, Elaine. Thank you for your service and everybody that's on the phone this morning. This is Reggie O, gratefully recovered in the Los Angeles area, North Ridge, Ridge specifically. And I just want to chime in. I've heard about the wind and the snow, and we're having glorious rain here in the Los Angeles area today. It's quite wonderful. Um, boy, this, you know, I, I, I have that paragraph, the, the long paragraph about the man of 30 <clears throat> who stopped significant serious drinking for 25 years because he wanted to be a successful businessman. Uh, I, I will never understand that. I mean, that that he could hang on whatever he did for 25 years without picking up because he obviously had crossed the line, you know, that line that they say what, that there's no coming back. And um, so 25 years he didn't drink and he picked up and the allergy was just as big as it had ever been before, but it was actually quite bigger because he had no, uh, he had no control over it this time and he was, de- he was dead within a short period of time. So it really, you know, it helps me to see that once that line is crossed that uh, it doesn't matter how long, you know, it's like the, the, the first bite, the first drink, you know, that can take you out doesn't always but it can Uh, and you know as a compulsive eater I never know when that first bite will take me out but it eventually will and I was thinking about this you know believe that if we remain sober for a long stretch we could drink normally or that you know there's some lurking notion that someday I'll be immune to to you know certain alcoholic foods or heroin is my, my person who took me through the steps called it 
you know, it it makes me think if if I'm holding out with that in any way, I'm not going to be present for the gift here. And, I, and that's, you know, and sometimes that happens. You know, we come in, we don't always come in, you know, just ready to give it give it whatever it takes. There are a lot of us here who have been and, you know, had many relapses and done many things. But, you know, there are certain things that it does take, and that's being present for the miracle. And to be present for the miracle, uh, I of the steps, working the full steps and living this as a way of life. It's just not working the steps. It's living it as a way of life every single day, you know, and I think that grows more and more on me. And, um, and for me, the way this plays out has played out in my disease thinking is what can, you know, it's like, what can I get away with? If I'm, if I'm, you know, looking to drink normally in the future, or if I have this lurking notion, I'm going to be immune sometime in the future. Uh, it's going to be working on me today. You know, it's going to be working on me with what can I get away with? Uh, it's going to keep me from being fully present to the amazing gifts that living the 12 steps as a way of life and having had that amazing, you know, spiritual experience of the compulsion being lifted. When I am, you know, in my right, clear mind, it's like, why would, why would I chance that with anything, you know, because it's a gift far greater than anything I've ever experienced. And, you know, this is, this is how my God got me into a way of life that I would never have gotten into otherwise. And, um, so I just am forever grateful. This reminds me very much to stay here today and to remember that it's a way of life today, tomorrow, you know, when I'm on vacation, when I'm at work, and when I am living this way of life, it's, uh, you know, it's, I'm happy, joyous, and free, just like the promises say. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Reggie O. And please forgive the mispronunciation of your name. I, I believe it's Sivia G. Sivia? Yes, sorry. It is Sivia VG. Thank you so much. Thanks. <laughs> Give me a minute to unmute here. Um, this is uh, something that I go over with all the time. Um, thank you for everybody for being here. I'm a grateful, recovered uh, food addict. Um, most of us believed that if we remained sober for long stretch, we could thereafter drink normally. You know, I still, you know, for years, um, even while I was in the program, still wished for, I had this magical thinking um, that a pill would, you know, if they could only invent a pill that I could take and it would still allow me to eat what I wanted and then I wouldn't be fat. What, what I didn't realize for a long time in the program was that um, it's a spiritual you know, saying, um, yes, you can stop eating. And I think this this young man of 30 um, really didn't understand um, that spiritual part of the program, you know, and I think it says elsewhere here, you know, that self-knowledge is, is great, but, you know, self-knowledge is not all. And, I mean, I knew from about the time I was six or seven that I ate, like, way differently than everybody else. That was great self-knowledge. It didn't stop me from picking up the food uh, throughout my life. And, and I lost 70 pounds in this program, and it didn't stop me from picking up the food. Um, so um, what I have been doing differently is on a daily basis, come hell or high water, every morning now I get up and I do my morning meditations. Uh, I do my morning prayers. I have time to ask God for who is my higher power, uh, will knowledge of her will for me, um, and how can I serve my higher power and others in the program. Um, and to know that, um, you know, and I take that quiet time. And then throughout the day, you know, shit's going to happen no matter what, and it's how I deal with that. Um, and also to to keep saying when I need to, when, when I have resentments, to keep doing my 10th uh, step when they happen um, and re- really relying on that uh, helping a sick person, um, you know, and that is what is keeping me in this program and not only keeping me in the program but keeping me abstinent 
in the program and in service to everyone. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Sylvia VG. We have just less than a minute left, so I'm just going to share a couple of sentences uh, about this um, about this topic here. Uh, back on page 30, we read that. Um, sorry, my time is going off here. The idea that somehow someday he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker, the obsession of the mind. We've learned we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. And if we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind, no lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcoholism. This delusion must be smashed. Once you're a pickle, you're always a pickle. And that is the foundation of step one, which is so necessary for all the other steps, which leads us to recovery, the daily reprieve from compulsive overeating. So glad to share that with so many of you. And thank you, everybody who shared. We're going to transition the meeting by reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Polly Q please read a vision for you? Hi, may I be heard? Yes. Hi, this is Polly Q, recovered in Northern California. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.